This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as people join with us online. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, just a quick uh, shout out for the offering. The way we do our offerings now is uh, if you want to give a check or cash, you can do so using the envelopes and the seats in front of you and then put that in the buckets on the way out. Many of you give online, uh, recurrent giving. We appreciate that. Uh, that's where you sign up and then just automatically every week you give a, an automatic gift to the church. It uh, makes it really easy for us for budgeting purposes. If you're able to do that, we'd appreciate that. Or you can use your phone and uh, give that way off of the Celebration Church app. Just all you gotta do is sit in the service and pop it up and give whatever and hit the button and away it goes. So thank you for your continued support. Um, we are getting ready to do something. Actually, it starts tomorrow, something I've been wanting to do for years. And we just haven't had the funds to do it. Uh, the church is continually getting in a healthier place financially. Thank you for your support in helping us get there. And it's only gonna get better. Great. great Great things coming down the pipe that we'll be sharing with you very shortly. Uh, and then a, a family stepped up and said, you know, I know you always want to do this billboard campaign. He says, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover it for you. So there's three electronic billboards on the east side of Green Bay that we're going to be on starting tomorrow. Here's our first message. Now that's hilarious. <laughs> Free wine every Sunday, 9 and 10.30 at Celebration Church. A little message like that should get people in Green Bay's attention, I'll tell you that. Pretty, pretty funny stuff. So uh, uh, this morning I'm going to do a part three of a series of message, uh, messages that I've put together dealing with things connected to the whole COVID pandemic experience. My first message was pretty much just a challenge to don't just believe uh, when somebody says the Bible says and they say X, you know, check it out for yourself. There's been a lot of exaggerations uh, that this is the end of the world and it's not. Uh, this is the mark of the beast and it's not. 
and all these other exaggerations. So just, you know, check out the scriptures for yourself uh, so you don't just be led by the nose in all kinds of directions. Um, part two, we talked about being careful not to overreact to things that are connected to evil, all right? Virtually everything in this world is connected to something somewhere along the line that is evil, uh, and people get crazy. Christians tend to get a little nuts about it, in my opinion. Um, these are the people, they don't believe you should have a Christmas tree because Christmas trees came from pagan worship back in the third century or something like, seriously. I don't know what they did in the third century, but I ain't worshiping demons with my Christmas tree. I just look, think it looks pretty, all right? Or Easter eggs, remember that's, you know, all these crazy things. And some people get, in my opinion, and I understand there's lots of people who disagree, but this whole thing uh, with medical things, with uh, being tied to fetal cells, even life, right-to-life organizations have no problem with it. I discussed the whole thing. If you missed it, you can go online and hear that message back. But uh, everything somewhere, somehow, is connected to something that is evil. Now, I have a $50 bill here this morning. Who would like this $50 bill? Yeah, all right. What if I told you I stole this? You take it anyway. <laughs> Throw these people out. No, but I mean, but you know, I mean, all of a sudden you kind of, oh, you stole it. That's, that's a little, but what if I told you it was stolen 50 years ago? Someone stole it. You know, you wouldn't care. 10 years ago, five years ago, you wouldn't care. Uh, this could have come through a, a drug deal that wind up killing somebody. Um, it could have been through a deal that somebody ripped somebody off, lying to them, selling something, and, and, and you know, not being honest about it. I mean, there's, things are all... I'm not giving this to anybody, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but we still take it, right? Even though you, if you trace it, good chance it's going to come up gnarly somewhere along the line. Uh, don't overreact to chasing connections. Otherwise, there's going to be people today, and they're just as intense about it as they could possibly be. I'll never talk them out of it, but just the fact that it's Halloween today, they're all going to hide in their basement because, you know, the devil's outside. You know, and they say, this is the devil's day. It is not the devil's day. The devil doesn't have a day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it. God is not up in heaven going, oh man, it's, it's Halloween. Yeah, he doesn't freak out about stuff like that, all right? So enjoy the day. To me, I'm not worshiping the devil. I'm getting free candy. So, and I praise the Lord for that. So, uh, so, and then the third part of the message today that really is at the center of all of that, and it has to do with fear. I want to read to you from Revelations, the first chapter. Now, this is uh, uh, John, the apostle John. He was the only apostle that was not martyred, uh, but he was persecuted for his faith, and they eventually banished him to the Isle of Patmos. He's on this island by himself, having to fend for himself. I'm sure, it's miserable, but he wasn't being killed. Uh, anyway, he's, he's all by himself, and all of a sudden, he hears somebody talking to him. And uh, you know what it's like when you're walking around the house and you think you're alone, and you look up and you see somebody? <laughs> I didn't know you were in here. I mean, it'll scare you, right? Well, you can imagine when nobody's on an island but you, and all of a sudden, oh, there's somebody there. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And then when he, well, look at what he sees when he turns. He sees the glorified Christ. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reach, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like white wool, 
as white as snow. His eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, it takes a long time just to read all that. He just sees this instantly. And he says, when I saw him, I dropped at his feet as though dead. What happened? He's scared to death. Literally scared to death. I mean, that just had to... Can you imagine? If I saw this in a crowd, I'd freak out. You know, being by myself. No one on his side. He turns around. And he just falls to the ground. And Jesus placed his right hand on him and said, do not be afraid. Easy for him to say. (laughs) In fact, it's shocking how many times you know, people always say, wouldn't it be great if you see an angel? Apparently not, because everyone who ever sees one freaks. And the angels, first thing they say to him is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, because it's kind of overwhelming, right? And uh, 366 times the Bible re- tells us not to be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Uh, President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in his first inaugural speech in March of 1933 gave this famous speech. Many of you will remember it, uh, at least this phrase. So first of all, he says, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So you all know this. And then he goes on, he says, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Why would you need to fear fear? Because fear causes people to do irrational things that they would not normally do. Fear will mess with your head and, uh, and make people a little crazy. Um, back in 1869, I was about 12 years old then, <clears throat> but uh, Mary Mallon is a lady. She was born in Ireland in that year. In 1900, she emigrated to America. She got a job somewhere in New York, and within two weeks of her employment, residents developed typhoid fever. Well, she freaks out, wants to get away from there. Gets another job. Uh, a year later, she moves to Manhattan, where members of the family who she worked for developed fevers and diarrhea, and the laundress died, the lady who was taking care of the laundry. She got sick, died. Ooh, she gets away from there, goes to work for a lawyer, and left after seven of the eight people in that household became ill. And she keeps leaving because all these people keep getting sick. What she doesn't realize, she's the one making them sick. Okay? In 1904, she was hired by a lawyer. Uh, and within a week, the laundress there was infected with typhoid. And soon, four of the seven servants were ill. Immediately after the op- that outbreak, she left there, moves to Tuxedo Park, where she's hired by a guy by the name of George Kessler. Two weeks later, the laundress in his household was infected with typhoid fever. Uh, and then in August of 1906, then she leaves there, get, takes a position in Oyster Bay on Long Island with the family of a wealthy New York banker. Uh, six of the 11 people in the family came down with typhoid fever. And in that same year uh, later, she was hired by another well-to-do guy who lives on Park Avenue. Their maid got sick, and soon Charles, Charles Warren, the guy she's working for, only daughter, got typhoid and died. Uh, and this case finally helped to identify 
Mary Mallon is the source of the infection. So they're chasing this down. They're all really concerned and freaked out about this, uh, primarily for one overwhelming reason. These were wealthy families. And uh, we're a little goofy in this country when it comes to money. And, and well, the poor people got typhoid all the time during this period. Nobody seemed to care. Nobody was freaked out about that. But as soon as money people starts getting, oh, they all freak out. And, and we still do that to this day. We get more upset about people who, you know, my wife asked me the other day, have you been following this story about this lady that disappeared? I said, no. She says, why not? Says, it irritates me. You know how many people of color, poor people in this country, women, raped, killed, murdered every day in this country? Nobody says, boo. As soon as it's a white girl, middle class, or especially if they're upper class, we've got to have an update every four seconds on Fox News. And it just irritates me. It's my own issue. I'll deal with it. Anyway, so, so people, rich people are getting sick. Oh, now they're tracing. They're trying to find it, and they keep finding it. And the one thing they finally put together is the one person who was at all these households was Mary Mallon. The papers made a big deal out of it. Can't imagine the press exaggerating anything. And they called her Typhoid Mary. That's what she's known out as in history, Typhoid Mary. If anybody ever says, you ever hear of Typhoid Mary? And I say, yeah, yeah, I actually did. Uh, and what uh, happened, so they find, it, find out who it was, and then they forcefully quarantined her for almost 30 years. Here's a woman who had broken no laws, and they robbed her of her liberties for almost 30 years. Why? Fear. Fear, they couldn't put a, you know, they didn't really get the whole washing hands stuff and whatever. Uh, there was ways that she could have dealt with. Uh, she was kind of just an unusual situation. She, her mother had typhoid when she was pregnant with Mary. And for some reason, Mary never got it, but she carried it with her all her life. It's just one of these bizarre things. Well, there are ways to have dealt with it, but they just freaked and they locked her away. Um, her attorneys fought it. Everybody finally took it to the New York Supreme Court as a violation of her civil liberties, and she lost in court. Why? Fear. You say, well, that's a, that's a sad story. Here's a sadder one. World War II, right after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, Japanese Americans, American citizens, were arrested, forced to leave their homes, their businesses, their farms, and against their wills were placed in concentration camps. Some of you may never have heard the story. Deanna says to me, I never heard that. Well, it's part of our history we don't really want to talk about. And I know there's people today that they just want to destroy America. They're always bringing up our bad past and stuff and ignoring the good. We did a lot of great, wonderful things in this country historically, but we've got some embarrassing moments, and this is certainly another one of them. Uh, where can you imagine? I mean, you're ticked off because you've got to wear a mask, and you might get fired if you don't get a shot. Can you imagine people coming into your house, authorities, arresting you, your spouse, your children, and your grandmother, grandfather, they're living with you, and throwing you in a truck and taking you out to the middle of nowhere, putting you in a camp surrounded by barbed wire living in some rundown spot. We did this to Americans in this country. And they, because they were afraid of the Japanese. And because we were against the Japanese, if you're Japanese, you might be against us too. And this massive overreaction, it's what we do. When we get afraid, we overreact. I told you from the very beginning of this thing, when it first started happening, I said, I don't know what's going on, but my guess, this is going to wind up being the biggest overreaction in the history of mankind, and it's certainly on that scale. 
Here was a massive overreaction. They stayed in those camps for four years, wind up losing everything, but by the time they finally, the Japanese surrendered. And, and it wasn't just immediate Japanese. They said if you had so much as one sixteenth of a Japanese connection in your bloodline, you were to be incarcerated. The guy who was in charge of this program said, if you got so much as one drop of blood of Japanese in you, we're going to arrest you. And that's what they did to Americans. How's that possible? They fought it. They fought it. They took it all the way to the Supreme Court. We're not talking the days of liberal courts. It's a conservative court. They lost. I know a lot of us are thinking, man, wait till this stuff gets to the courts. No way are they going to let this stand. Yeah, hopefully not. But I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Why? You can't just fire me because I want to get shot. Yeah, we'll see. Why does this stuff happen? Fear. Fear makes people crazy. And even highly intelligent, educated people who under no other circumstance would have approved of anything like the two I've just mentioned. And I just got two. We could go through history. We would run out of time to talk about the major violations that have happened in people's lives because of hysteria. Fear. By the way, in 1988, Ronald Reagan eventually signed a law that officially apologized for the internment of the Japanese Americans and authorized the payment of $20,000 each <laughs> for any of them, for just the ones who are still alive. I mean, this is just horrifying. Fear is dangerous. Fear will cause people to act irrationally. That's why I was so, in the, my first message, this whole thing, oh, this is the end times. This is the worst it's ever going to be. Oh, Pastor, this is the end. No, it's not the end. And nor is this the worst it's ever been. There's been a lot worse infringements on liberties than what we're putting up with today from a bunch of crazy people. This is nothing new in the world. And quite frankly, this is not nearly as bad as many of them have been. This whole thing, this is the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast. This is not the worst it's ever been. Fear. It's poisonous and it's extremely dangerous. And as Roosevelt said, you should fear fear. The one thing you should be concerned about is letting fear get a hold of you. It will ruin your life. It will cause people to willingly incarcerate others who have broken no laws. It will cause citizens to willfully put fellow citizens in cages. It will cause governments to deny freedom of worship. It will cause businesses to deprive workers of their jobs. People have gone bankrupt in this current pandemic. They've lost everything. Their businesses, their homes, because of fear. Shutting everything down. Depression, suicides, drug and alcohol use, domestic violence has all, have all skyrocketed. Churches have been shuttered. Pastors have been arrested and fined. All of what we are seeing today are irrational reactions based on one thing and one thing alone, and that is fear. Fear of a virus that has less than a quarter percent chance of resulting in death. Now, we might all, people here know, people who have died and stuff, but generally, these are people who, even in that case, still had underlying physical issues. And I'm not trying to be callous or hard and uncaring, but it's a small, small, we have frozen the world. And it's far less worldwide even than that quarter of a percent. Do you know what half a percent of the population in the world is? 40 billion people. That's half a percent. 
So far, worldwide, there's been less than 5 million who have died from this thing. Oftentimes, people will say, you know, this is like the pandemic of 1919, the flu of 1919. It was intense. 50 million people died from the flu. We've got less than five worldwide. This is not nearly what we think it is. Yet the reaction to this is beyond anything in human history. The whole world has shuttered itself down and destroyed itself, injured itself, injured our own children's educations. All a long list of crazy that has gone on for fear of something that tiny in its threat on people's lives. And again, even many of the lives we've lost were people, a lot more elderly and sick in the first place. I got news for you. At some point, everybody dies. So well, that's cold. I'm not trying to be cold. It's just the reality of it. I remember putting this together. I was at a funeral once in Illinois. Illinois people, you know. <laughs> anyway, I lived there for a while. Uh, and uh, I was doing this funeral. The guy, was, he was 98 years old, died. And people were howling and wailing. I've never seen anything like it. But the closest you can do is like you see pictures in the middle of the East, people pulling their hair and throwing dirt and just, you know, it's their tradition. I don't know what these people's background was, but they were just beside themselves with grief. And one lady passed out and fell on the casket and stuff. Just, and I'm looking at it, I go, man. I didn't say it, but I thought, he was 98. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> you know, but people, you know, they can't handle stuff. It's crazy, huh? But they've changed the... Uh, conversation, I was saying, because the numbers just don't add up. To the fear that they've been promoting for the last year and a half, the numbers never added up. And then they finally said, well, it's not about death anymore. It's that people will get sick and they'll overwhelm the, the, the uh, hospitals and stuff. Okay, fair enough. How about we address that? And if that's true, why in the world are you firing doctors and nurses who won't get a shot? Do you see how stupid this is? It is so stupid. I was just in Phoenix. I was there for the Packer game Thursday night. What a glorious ending. Yeah. The place was packed full of Packer fans. It just irritated, irritated the Cardinals. It was hilarious. But it's, what was it 80,000 people? I mean, it's just packed. All on top of each other. Going through, you know, just trying to get in and out of this place and stuff. And of course, the next morning, we're all wanting to get on a plane, and now we've got to wear masks. <laughs> really, because we're all just about kissing each other for the last <laughs> five hours in a stadium. <laughs> it's just stupid. It's just, especially airlines. I mean, you're in there, you've got the mask, everybody's, so it's all distance, everybody, you know, follow you, step on the next dot, you know. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then they stick you in an aluminum tube, packed to the gills, sitting me two, two fat guys. But we're safe, why? Because we recycle the air every two minutes. So let me see if I got this right. The guy next to me who has, God only knows what, disease, and breathe, because that mask doesn't do jack. He's not even medical masks, they're just a cloth, you know. 
Those germs are not going to touch me. They're going to get sucked right past me and past the 60 other people right there, go into a filter, come back, and have fresh air. You can't even make this up. You know, and they get mad because some Americans aren't taking this seriously because you're stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. And the only reason they didn't shut that down, you know why? Yeah. If you're an independent business, they'll shut you down, kill you. You're, you're not. And that was stupid. Let's shut down all the businesses so we funnel everybody through Costco. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been better if we all spread out? One ignorant thing after another. Fear. Well, we cannot control all the crazy around us, but what we can do is just refuse to be afraid. And if there's one thing that should mark people of faith is we are not afraid. We don't live in fear. Now, there's some kinds of fears that are actually good and healthy, and we understand that. Keep an eye on your kids so something bad doesn't happen to them. Let's not stick our hand in the flames. That's not good. You know, uh, I, you know I'm a pilot. I guess I'm still a pilot. I just haven't flown in seven years, but uh, I'd flown for 30 years, and uh, I paid attention when I was flying. <laughs> Tried not to nap, you know. I would actually have people, after they'd fly with me and we got on the ground, they said, man, you're a really good pilot. I'd say, well, thanks. No, seriously, you're so goofy. We thought our lives were in our own hands up there. <laughs> you were really serious. Yeah. How come you're so serious? I have a fear of plummeting to my death from 28,000 feet. I mean, there's some things, you know, let's sober up here and pay attention. I don't want to die. So there's a good thing. But then there's the kind that FDR said creates, quote, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes that we should resist. Well, Pastor, what, what, what if we die? Look, you're all going to die. Everybody dies. And the Bible says we're not even supposed to be afraid of death. Jesus said in Luke 12, 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, they can't do anything else. What's the worst that can happen to you? You die and go to heaven. And have such joys, you won't even remember this goofy place. Well, isn't that horrible? Paul wrote, mocking death. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? You don't have any sting anymore. When you really understand your faith... We don't even fear death itself. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. I certainly don't want to get sick. I hate having cold french fries. I hate all kinds of things. <laughs> but don't freak out and live in fear. Fear will suck the life out of you. I recently read an article that the two top indicators of whether or not you're going to die of COVID. One is the underlying real health issues, okay, obviously. And the other one that was tied, they said. Number two, tied with that, fear. People who come in and they get checked in and they are scared to death. And more likely than not, they die. 
You would think even the medical community would try to calm people's fears. I don't know how many doctors I've seen. You know, when Debbie was having cancer and stuff like that, he'd give us some bad report. You know, if she has cancer, she's probably only going to live another five years if she lived for 20. Probably because she didn't listen to them. But we just sit there and smile at them. And they get mad at us. Say, you're not taking this seriously enough. I said, no, death, I get it. <laughs> they were upset because you weren't upset. And I've talked to so many cancer people who've gone through cancer. That was their response, Christians. The doctors would yell at them, reprove them for, for, because uh, they weren't afraid and crying. When studies have shown that people with positive mental outlooks have a way better chance of beating sickness and disease than those who do not. And they're mad? Because you're not freaking out? You shouldn't be freaking out. I talked to a guy here at church. He went in, had some issues and stuff, and they told him, you know, there's, there's a good chance you won't leave. People like you, you don't make it out of here. He made it out of here. Praise the Lord. He's here. <laughs> so, but why would you tell somebody that? Oh, how are you doing? Oh, good. We're here to help you, but you're probably going to die. I don't understand this. I don't understand this insanity. It makes no sense to me. I think they're trying to just give you the truth. You give it to me. You don't tell them they're going to die. Goodness gracious. You know, and the media in this country should be ashamed of itself, including our local media, for engaging in a nonstop effort of stoking people's fears during this pandemic. It has been shameful. And every time you see something that doesn't make any sense and they're forcing and taking away people's liberties and firing the nurses and doctors that we need, it's for one reason, fear. Don't let fear dominate. And listen to me. You get a bad report. The doctor says, you know, you're, you're, uh, you got cancer. First thing you need to focus on, not your treatments. First thing, stop the fear because you'll be afraid. And I always give myself at least 24 hours to freak out. Occasionally 48 hours. <laughs> but then it stops. It stops. I refuse to be afraid. I will not. I just refuse. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die one happy Puerto Rican. I'm just not going to be afraid. What, what does it do for you? I don't understand. Are people afraid, fearful of stuff all the time? It's raining. They're afraid they're going to crash in a car. I mean, you know, some of you are like this. Don't raise your hands. Everything in life just says, it's going to suck to be you. I don't know what that is. Stop. Living in constant fear and paranoia and stuff. It is, there's people in this room right now who have not succeeded as much as they could in life because of one reason, fear. Afraid to take a chance. I might fail. I don't want to go to school. Maybe I won't pass. You know, well, just do it. If you fail, so what? I could, I've got a PhD in failure. And it's just not a joke. I have failed at so many things you have no idea. It would take a really long sermon to explain them all to you. <laughs> Stuff and just brick wall. So I say, you know, always enjoy the road you're on. It could be a dead end. People say, how will I know? When you get to the end. <laughs> if it's a dead end, turn around, just find another. You know what happens to a lot of people? They hit a dead end and then they're depressed. 
It didn't work out. <laughs> My boyfriend dumped me. How can I live? Really? You would have just driven you crazy anyway if you had married him. Just move on. Quit freaking out about everything. Boy, you can really tell when you're praying for someone who's in faith or fear. There's a big difference. And you can smell it on them. And I'm telling you, when you come and ask us to pray for you and you are scared to death, it's a bad place to be. Fear will cancel out faith. And you need faith for a miracle. First thing, just I'm not going to... And the people come and they're just standing in faith. And they've got the worst news. You know that the lady with the baby, with the, they said it had half a heart. She said, will you pray for me? We got around and prayed for her. She was as confident as she could possibly. She wasn't afraid. And God did a miracle for that little baby. And it's an amazing thing. That's how you know where God shows up. But fear, fear of everything, fear of COVID, fear of this, fear of everything is just going to suck the life out of you. Faith can move mountains, but fear will create them. Let's move mountains. Let's trust God. And who knows what's coming next or what crazy thing somebody's going to try and force us to do. And we can fight back and do all the stuff we want to do. I get that. But let us not succumb to fear. Because fear will just suck the life right out of you. Amen. All right. I'm going to encourage my, our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion. Here we are celebrating what Jesus did for us to make it possible for us to live without fear. All right? He died on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. And because of that, we have a connection with God that no one can break. No one can take it away from us. Paul said, I'm convinced neither death nor life, height, no matter, whatever it is, nothing can separate us from the love of God. It can't be taken from you. And we can celebrate that. Praise God. Anyway, before we do this, the Bible always encourages us to examine ourselves. So let's bow our heads. It's kind of our weekly checkup, if you will, our weekly spiritual checkup. How are you doing? How'd you do last week? You know, make mistakes, do things you shouldn't have done. Now's the time. Let's get it right before God. Let's bow our heads as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we've done, something we left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we ask you to have mercy on us and to forgive us of all of our sins. And as heads are bowed and people are reflecting and praying, and if you can think of something specifically you need to apologize to God for, just do it now. But maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know, I've never experienced anything like this. You can experience it right now. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of all of my sins. And you can start experiencing this wonderful joy that we have, this liberty that we experience because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen.